Welcome to Washington In Focus, powered by the Center Square and a production of America's Talking Network. I'm Jeremy Lott, regional editor of the Center Square Newswire for Washington State. To support great podcasts like this one, please donate by clicking the link in the show description. Today, I am joined by Brett Davis and Raylan Ricarti, which rhymes with Havarti, and Spencer Polly. Brett, I think we're going to start with, uh, you, are you ready to go first? Yes. Okay. All right. The first story <laughs> is, asking. yeah, well, I mean, you got to make sure, you know. So the first story is, is titled, Jim Farrell promises more law and order if elected King County prosecutor. <laughs> Who is Jim Farrell and why should people vote or not vote for him? Jim Farrell is the three-time elected mayor of Federal Way, Washington. And he is, as you mentioned, running for a King County prosecutor. He says he's going to bring a, a more law and order approach given the, the high crime in, in the county. So we'll see if he gets elected and see if he can make that happen. Who is he running against to, to be all Canadian there? <laughs> he's running against uh, Lisa Mannion. She's a longtime chief of staff at the prosecutor's office. It's funny you should bring that up. Well, I guess not funny. It's germane to the story, but I actually just got an email from her people. So I've been trying to set up an interview with her as well, you know, in the interest of fairness. So, yeah, I just all Washington state politicians that listen to this podcast, both of you, <laughs> um, if you we do something on your opponent and you want uh, us to do something on you, get in touch with us. We are very happy to talk with you. We're very happy to cover the issues of the day. And, uh, you know, we the, the more the merrier. So I was that. happy she got back to me because in some cases people don't get back to me. So yeah, there's, there's an awful lot of uh, ghosting. Is that what they could say these days? <laughs> yes. I believe that's what the young kids say today. Yeah. Is that right, yeah. Spencer? Yeah. Spencer. Something is, like that. Something like that. Okay. I think you All got right. it. All right. Cool. <laughs> um, so what are the, what are the sort of overarching issues in this race? Well, one of his uh, big concerns is there's a, apparently a backlog of approximately 5,000 felony cases that need to be addressed, including 500 sexual assaults and about 180 homicides. That's uh, a those, few. Those things have kind of piled up because of court closures due to COVID. So it's just sort of, you know, it's built up. 180 uh, homicides, that almost, I mean. Yes. It, the, this There was a joke, and unfortunately, this is actually based on something true, um, which was that... Um, in the the garbage strike of or not just garbage strike a general strike of 1979 in in Britain um it, there were actually uh, in some cases bile's bodies piling up on the street and this is actually parodied in a Monty Python movie <laughs> just this is true you, right you are wellspring of gross knowledge Jared. I know I know and um they uh the, there I was reading a, a biography of Margaret Thatcher and the biographer said that when critics are you know the the of Thatcher are told about the body thing they say well it wasn't that many bodies so, <laughs> yeah anyways so no I, would I imagine mean, I, the smell would have been awful yeah I so and so you you interviewed Farrell and he said that essentially that the the current King County prosecutor has done a decent job until recently, basically. Like he's right. just he not partisan in it anymore. And that's one of the reasons that things have just kind of gone to pot. Right. An another thing he was, uh, I guess, critical of was the uh, restorative community pathway diversion program, you know, which yeah. seeks to move young people, you know, out of the criminal justice system, if at all possible. He said basically it has, it has no oversight. He called it a juvenile justice program without the justice, said it's gone off the rails. <laughs> Okay. All right. And we will see what his opponent has to say. I, by the way, I have to apologize uh, for a thing I said earlier. Um, 
I said gone to pot. I should have said gone to cannabis. So, uh, oh right, right. Yeah, According yeah. To new state terminology. Yes, I think so I wrote a story about that yeah, earlier you might, this you, year. You might have. So, <laughs> our next story um, is leaving on a jet plane. We don't know when it will get back again. Um, Aviation Commission recommends. Three sites for Washington State's next airport. What's going on there, Brett? So apparently uh, SeaTac Airport is uh, going to be full by about 2050. So uh, the state needs to build another airport by 2050. So this uh, Commercial Aviation Coordinating Commission, that's a mouthful, has uh, narrowed it down to three sites, uh, one in East Pierce County, one in Central Pierce County, and one in Central Thurston okay. County. So good times there. Yeah, and the, the, the sites, that the, how much... You know how how in depth do they go about what these sites are and that sort of thing? Well, they're they're still a long way from deciding on the the final site, so there's a a long way to go. Uh, I guess I'm trying to think what they they call these. Uh, let me look up what the term was here. They call them uh, green fields or undeveloped areas. So they're kind of pretty rural areas right now that don't really have any yeah. development. And they're looking uh, they're looking at about let's see, according to the report, about 3,100 acres. Uh, they want to build a an airport that has. You know, two runways. The primary one would be about eleven thousand feet long. It'd be capable of handling commercial, you know, passengers and cargo aircraft. So eleven thousand feet. It'd be a pretty big that, airport when they I'm when they thinking, get to it. Eleven thousand feet. Is that approximately two two miles? Is that is it? Would that be right? Because uh, a mile is five thousand two hundred eighty feet. Right. right. That's about right. Yeah. Okay. So good to know. It's uh, a lot of to take off and land those big suckers. That's right. I mean, you know, you you don't want to over or undershoot those runway sizes. So um, yeah. So apparently, sea well, maybe overshoot. Yeah, SeaTac right now handles about 50 million passengers a year. And uh, mm -hmm. the Puget Sound Regional Council, they, they put out a study that says uh, by 2050, uh, the number of uh, takeoffs and landings is going to double from 400000 to $800,000. How do they know year. that? How do, I mean, <laughs> you know, so, you know, you see a certain trend and it's going a certain direction, but then things happen like, I don't know, COVID. That's true. Uh, I mean, I, I'm just I'm I, I'm really curious as to how they with, you know, precision can say, oh, yeah, by 2050, it will double. I know. <laughs> I, I, I think this gets at this idea that I there there's a, a oft uh, quipped thing that um, statistics are, are, are lies. All statistics are lies, but they're lies that contain truth. So the, the, the key is to get at the truth in the lies. Um, Maybe a little cynical, but probably accurate. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> I got another uh, story for you. Yeah, it's uh, Seattle ranked sixth best city in the nation for vegans and vegetarians. That's right. How do you figure? So uh, the personal finance website WalletHub, they, they ranked 100 cities in terms of those that were the best for vegans and vegetarians. And yeah. uh, Seattle came in, you know, pretty high, did well. Number six. Okay. They, they came, uh, they were just ahead of San Francisco, if you can believe that. Yeah. Well, what about uh, the cost of meals and, uh, you know, taxes? I mean, that we're, we're, how do we rank there? Right. That's what uh, part of the study was looking at. Well, you know, why is this the case? And, and a lot of times, you know, vegetarians will, people will say, you know, being a vegetarian is uh, difficult. It's very expensive. But apparently meat prices are rising much That's faster true. now than, uh, you know, than, veg than prices for fruits and vegetables. So maybe, uh, maybe vegetarianism yeah. will become more and veganism will become more popular. Who knows? Yeah. yeah though if you get, you know, you go to a, a you know, Seattle restaurant, they're going to stick you one way or the other with what a 10 point something percent uh, sales tax. Yeah. I think it's 10.25% yep. if you yeah. add up everything. And wasn't it like Spencer, uh, well, Spencer, can you jump in here? Wasn't there like a COVID recovery fee for a while or something like that? There was an extra thing that was tacked on. I believe so. I don't remember what percentage it was, but I do remember <laughs> prices began to rise a little bit with taxes included there. 
Yeah. Yeah. Fossil's a factor in Seattle. I guess they would have done even better, but out of the 100 cities, they rank number 93 for the cost of groceries and uh, also rank 93 for the average meal cost. So, okay. So, not for that. Maybe they would have been higher. Maybe they'll be delicious, but you're paying through the nose for it. But uh, uh, another Pacific Northwest city came in at number one, actually, with Portland, Oregon, was the top top city for vegans and vegetarians. I'm shocked. Truly shocking. By the way, I want to say one nice thing about Portland. One, and only one nice thing. Um, whenever I see a list list of food cities, uh, like top food cities, and they don't f- put Portland on that list, I throw it in the trash because Portland has delicious, delicious food. If it has nothing else going for it, so um, keep Portland weird, but they have delicious food. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, weird can be tasty, I guess. Right. Um, so, um, you know, I I really like vegan food. I, I think it's a good start, but you just need to add some meat and cheese. So, <laughs> I would agree with you there, Jeremy. Yeah, yeah. Well, that costs extra though. Bugs are getting to be the new thing. You oh, know? bugs! Yeah, quickity crickets. Well, crunchy crickets oh. on your. There was one of my margarita the other day. You had a cricket margarita. Wow. Yeah, yeah, they just put it in there. I didn't know. So it wasn't this. This you ordered a margarita that the the place put the cricket in there. I, I think if I looked at the menu, maybe it said cricket in the in the list okay, i just but I look at like first cricket jumped in your drink and died or something huh. was it dead or alive it was it was dead and covered in tahine so okay. <laughs> probably intentional probably intentional probably a little intentional yeah so now are the vegans and vegetarians mad about this trend in insect eating you know um, what? That's the next scoop I'll find for you, Brett. That, that's right. Yeah, look into that. But before that, we're going to talk about some Spencer stories. Seattle public schools expect about $100 million deficits over the next four years. And there, it's, it's if we had to say about because it's three of the next four years, it's $100 million that they're projecting in one year. It's like 93 or 87 or, you know, close. 96 enough, million, right? something like that. Okay. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I even didn't want to put about in the headline because I'm like, it can round up, but yeah, it made sense. Easily you could because, I mean, what it is is before the uh, CL teacher strike and the contract was ratified, teachers are going to get a 7% raise next year, followed by a 3%, 4%, what have you, after following yeah, that. And that's but, only if we manage to tame inflation. Only if. Only if, right? We, we can, fingers crossed. Yeah. But um, yeah, so basically looking at the budget before this uh, contract agreement, they already projected a d- budget deficit over 100 million, except for one year. But yeah. <laughs> the city, the, the public schools basically said that this is going to tack on uh, over 200 million over the next four years. So you can expect that uh, one so outlier year to go over 100 million. Yeah. So you're looking at approximately 150 million a year then in, in projected deficits. Yes. Yep. Okay. All right. Well, you know, be interesting to see what gets cut, eh? I think I uh, math is hard. And and yeah. then a budget. I, uh, the superintendent wrote a letter to uh, whoever's reading it, I guess, but saying that, you know, we have significant work ahead. It's like, when are you going to start that? Yeah. <laughs> So, um, I mean, the accountants have significant work ahead. Um, okay, so our next story is Dow Constantine wants $1.25 billion property tax levy for behavioral health. That sounds like a lot of money. What's that going to cost the average uh, homeowner? Uh, about $121 okay. if, uh, if we all in King County agree to it and vote on it. Yeah. Basically, it's a bad time to be a property owner. <laughs> I mean, we keep proposing more money uh, to be tacked down for taxpayers. Um, yeah. But I mean, with this, you, pay you, for- you're you're currently covering. There's like that. There's what a parks tax that they're they want to double. There's yeah. I don't know. I'm sure there's a few others. They it's just um, a lot of taxing authorities want to get a hold of your your home and use it as a piggy bank. 
Trust me, I know. That's why I can't afford meat. I'm probably accidentally vegetarian because of this. There you go. <laughs> because government's insatiable. You can't eat meat. Uh, <laughs> I mean, this this property tax levy is just to help this behavioral health crisis that the county is facing. I, it base, most of it would go towards restoring beds for health treatment. I mean, yeah. there's only 240 right now, and it's hard yeah. for anyone to get hold of it. But, you know, here we are. I'm got a whole foot the bill for this one. The question I have is, if this is a really important thing, shouldn't this just be a core thing that government funds? Like, why why should this be a separately funded thing? I, 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 I that's <laughs> you, you may not look. I'm not saying you. I don't know. I'm saying you should go put a microphone in someone's face and say, "Yeah, about that." Wait, what's going on here? <laughs> yeah, no. I, mean, I, I it's that's a question. I, you know, I'm I'm just raising questions, and we'll that's see what, what the answers here, are. Jeremy. Yeah, we just we're experts. Questions. We're we're experts in asking one question after another after another. We never have the answers, though. That's true. Yes, <laughs> I, I am a personally a moderate Catholic nihilist. So yes, I agree. <laughs> Sometimes we, people we always have opinions. Answers. <laughs> yeah, we. Don't. We have opinions. <laughs> no answers, tons of opinions. Okay, Raylan, on, on that note, we're going to Eastern Washington. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, so uh, the uh, the first story is Eastern Washington legislators urge Biden to lift vaccine mandate for border travel. Who are these legislators? Kathy McMorris Rogers and Dan Newhouse both live in Eastern Washington. And um, I believe that both of their districts, because Dan Newhouse goes up by Okanagan, are border you know, border Canada and the towns up there are having a really hard time because they really relied on Canadians bopping down. There were things that are cheaper, you know, in the U S and they would come down and shop and eat and that kind of stuff. And, um, it's been really harmful economically since the border closed. So I I live in a, a border town in a border County, uh, and I can attest it's been, uh, you know, the, it, it, it's hurt having the border closed for so long and then having a lot of restrictions linger after. So they wrote a letter. These legislators joined with several other Republicans from Idaho and different places, um, wrote a letter to Biden and Homeland Security is, uh, urging them to lift the vaccine mandate because um, Canada has. You know, um, you, you had to show proof of vaccine, plus you had to have a show that you had a COVID test and tested negative and all kinds of things. And they and Canada's removed those requirements, but apparently the U.S. hasn't. Okay. So let our Canadians go. Let our Canadians go. Yeah. So go let shopping, I guess. Eh? Let, let our Canadians go shopping. That, that, that mm-hmm. There's actually, it was, it was several, it was people in, so this was, co- this was signed by two legislators in this state in border counties. And there were also other border county people, uh, uh, legislators who had signed on to this letter saying, come on, man, mm-hmm. to put it in Biden speak. You know, it would, uh, you know, I can attest firsthand, it would greatly help this border economy if this were to take place. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, our next one is the the hot button of hot buttons. Spokane County Sheriff sets back timeline to disband homeless camp by a month. What's going on there? So the best line of the week was the sheriff saying, um, you know, I, I I always we needed a new jail. I just didn't know it'd be called Camp Hope <laughs> because <laughs> putting a fence up around the camp, the homeless camp in Spokane, because he's planning to clear it out. Yeah. And the nonprofit that's helping Jules Helping Hands and um, was dot is on their land. They're putting yeah. a fence up, basically, like in sort of defiance of him saying he's going to empty the can camp out. But the sheriff Ozzy Knezovich is saying he has a constitutional authority and legal authority to do it, and he's planning on 
on emptying the camp out. And he would be happy to buy these people bus tickets so they can go back to where they have a support system. Yeah. Anyway, so he's gotten south of Department of Commerce, WSDOT, and the Washington State Patrol because um, they are wanting them to pick up the taking care of the law enforcement issues in that camp, which is, you know, the people who are taking care of the homeless say there's 650 people, but now the sheriff is saying that those numbers are being inflated and there's actually about 200. So I don't really know what the what the issue is there, but there's a lot of crime around this camp and the businesses are sick of it. The residents are sick of it. And the sheriff is like, we're going to shut it down. Okay. And I, I assume, but, but you know, this could be a problem. Um, I assume the reason they're putting a, a fence up around it is at least, you know, on the face of it, because he said, look, this is, you know, there's all kinds of property crime. There's, you know, it's spiraling out of this camp and they're saying, well, look, we're going to control the point, one point of entry. Um, and not let certain people in, and uh, that should cut down on on local crime. Is that close to accurate? Yeah, and not let them out either. I mean, they have a curfew, and you have to be in the camp by by eight o'clock and staying in there all night because they've had a lot of vandalism and and those kind of crimes. And so they're basically saying that they're, you know, they're going to monitor it better. They're going to regulate people going in and out better. How would they enforce a curfew? Lock the gate. And the sheriff is saying, you know, you can't have one way in and one way out by the fire marshal. And so yeah. that's a whole nother point of contention. They're saying that if you don't come in by eight o'clock, you're going to be out for the night. So I yeah. assume they must be locking the gates. Huh. Interesting. So, mm-hmm. I mean, this is a this is a crazy story. It's mm-hmm. been it, uh, fun. I don't know. Fun. I guess it's, I, I'll just admit it. Uh, fun to watch it develop. Um uh, just watching the political back and forth between various parties in Spokane and then the state government and, and it just escalated. And, um, you know, now there's going to be a fence. So, I mean, yeah, the I- mayor's demanding $350,000 to cover the cost from the state to cover the cost of law enforcement and cleanup. And yeah. basically she sent them a, you know, notice that they needed to vacate that camp. And, yeah. and, uh, and, there may be, and there may be litigation too. You know I mean? This is uh that's what she's saying. If you don't yeah. do this, then, you know, prepare for, you know, possible litigation. So the sheriff just jumped into the middle of it and he's like, I'm sick of this. It stops today. Yeah, no, I, I thought, you know, Seattle's politics was nuts, but Spokane's politics is wild, man. Yeah, the idea of fencing off hope is just funny. Yeah, that's, well, I, I know it is, right? <laughs> I knew jail. I never thought it'd be called Camp Hope. Anyway, it's like, you know, Ozzy is a, a force to be reckoned with. Yeah. And stay tuned because one of these one day I think he will run for a national political office. Yes, probably from Wyoming. So, <laughs> okay, well that's a, that's a, been a lot of fun, but that's about all the time we have for this week on Washington in Focus. Thanks for hanging with me, Brett, Raylan, and Spencer. Make sure make sure to subscribe to Washington in Focus wherever you get your podcasts. We will be back next week with more great podcasts.